Today's episode is sponsored by Teaching an Old Dog New Tricks. Episode 7, welcome. I'm going to keep this intro real short because this past weekend, after a show, I screamed instead of spoke for about four hours and I have strained my voice to its furthest ends. And so here I am sounding like this. Hopefully soon I will sound better. doesn't even matter. A um, few quick things. This podcast is now available on Spotify. What? What? Kinfolk Cousins, the debut album by KJ and the Good Time Family Band, also available on Spotify. What? What? Episode 7, Miles Potter. What? What? I'm glad we were able to sit down and have this conversation. It was a wonderful conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Um... If you want to follow Miles on Instagram and Facebook, you can follow him at Dr. M. Potter on both of those social media platforms. Um, you can also watch Miles perform improv with another amazing improviser, Cat Huck, on the second Sunday of every month at 9 p.m. at the Crowd Theater in a show called Chuck, where they do a 50-minute two-person improv show. It's amazing. Please go support two improvisers doing the goddamn thing on stage. Uh, on to the episode. Let's get right to it. This conversation was recorded on December 18th, 2017. Welcome to Mr. Rotor's Neighborhood. How long do we net? How long do you normally let your tea steep for? Like five minutes, just to get it to maybe maybe cooler than it needs to be. But. You know what I don't understand about teas and steeping hmm. is that why do different teas have different steep times? Like that, you're drinking a green tea, mm-hmm. and I'm drinking a peppermint, and they both have Same different steep time. time? Oh, no, different? I think so. I've just seen like some teas are like let this shit sit for ten minutes, and then other teas. Are you changing the chemical makeup of what's in there? Is that what changed the? Like by doing the water, like adding water. Well, by adding the spices to the water and the way it dissolves into it, does that change? Maybe the the dissolved spices change the um, what's the fucking science word? Uh, not the boiling temp, but like whatever the. Whatever the right, I don't know. You know what I mean. Like if it changes the chemical makeup of it, you saying a different... you just said you know what I mean. That puts so much like pressure on me. Now I'm the one that has to figure out. What no, no. The fuck then you're then trying. I, then I to take say. it back. You don't. I'll assume you don't want to. Know now I, I mean. feel stupid. <laughs> no. Now I'm dumb. Now which? <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Um, I just, I just think it. If it changes the chemical makeup of the tea, then each tea would have a different 
release Sat- saturation point. Yes. Release point. You're right. Release point. Correct. So you do know what I mean. Maybe. It took a while. Also, what I don't understand with teas is then why am I supposed to... I keep the tea bag in the tea the whole time I drink it. Same. But so many of them say take it out of the... Take it out the of the... Teas the teas say that? Yeah. I don't agree with that. See, I don't either. I think I, I, I think with some of them, it's like they don't, you don't want it to be too strong. Yeah. I guess if also if you're going to have several of them, yeah. maybe take them out and put them back in. Or if you're making a pot... Because these, I guess the tea bag might be for like a pot. If you're putting it in a cup, it will be very concentrated. Yeah, I guess, but that's what I want. Yeah. And then also, I think it's also a good ploy for them to make you drink a second bag of tea if you want to drink a second cup. Because I will have two or three teas. Teas. But by middle of the second one, I'm just drinking like water with yeah a tea bag in it. Yeah. And zero flavor. Or you would just grab another tea bag. Like if I'm going to make... A cup of tea. I'm gonna put a tea bag, and that's the tea bag for that tea. If I'm gonna have another glass of tea or another cup of tea, I'm gonna get another tea bag and make a whole another thing. Start the process over from from zero, back to one. Welcome back to Tea Hour with Miles and Chirag. <laughs> the <laughs> hour of tea. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about tea for a full hour. This is what I imagine when I become an old person. I'm gonna just sit and talk about teas because I lo- I already do it while now. drinking tea. Well, mate, yeah, mostly I do that. I drink tea, drink peppermint tea. Do you drink coffee at all? Every morning. Oh, really? I and then sometimes in the afternoons. I haven't I haven't had coffee in a couple weeks, and I'm trying to phase it out. I drink tea a lot more. I don't know why. I feel like that's better, but well, I feel like tea is better than coffee. So I've been trying to just do that. Better for what? Just like overall? Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe. It seems to come, tea seems to come, the way they sell tea is like it came from like when magic used to actually exist in yeah. China. Tea? Yeah. Is tea real? I think it's a... That tea's like a magical thing they use like in medieval times, like, oh, tea's extinct, man. <laughs> it's too bad. They used to, is that what they jousted for? I don't know. They must have. Miles Potter is his name. Thanks for Are doing. we recording? We have been oh, man. recording. I love doing this. <laughs> I like just turning it on me. and then... Fig- Usually I scream we're recording. Yeah. I was trying to like hold it in my body yeah. to let I had you. a feeling we were based on like a tea thing. I'm like, let's just keep going with the tea. Yeah. See, this is like the benefit of like... A, not even the benefit, but like an improviser you can trick into recording for hours because they don't... talk about whatever. Because they just... Are, like, that's just like their normal instinct is to just like keep fucking talking about, which is so which is awesome the dumbest things just whatever. like nonsense most yeah. of this has been nonsense not even just you just like most of these episodes yeah. have just been talking one of the other ones we just talked about boners and accidental boners for a while it's like what the fuck accidental boners like uh oh boners okay do you like, not get those anymore um no do, I don't know if you know this trick but if you uh flex your quads it'll get it rid of a boner um, I, I do I see that you've been working out and I know I don't know if this is your trick to try and flex and just show me that you are trying to work out or not no well done sir no 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 I, I stopped uh, listening and I just watched I just watched me flex <laughs> I just flexed I my legs you can't see my legs I, you were flexing your upper body I was too. not I have been working out thank you you can hear it in but, his voice probably can you If I is it deeper is it stronger the strength in your voice yeah. <laughs> what what was the uh what did you say flex your what if you to get rid of a boner yeah. you can flex your quads because then the blood will rush away from your dick and into your legs it's worked before it takes like a minute and then no boner get out of here try it dude 
<laughs> get a boner. Get a specifically boner. to get rid of a boner. Okay. Well, at some point in this, you may hear me get <laughs> silent for a minute just to like sway away. And then so. it'll end with like, dude, you're right. <laughs> um, well, thank you for doing this, man. Yeah, of course. It's I'm, a fun. Go ahead. What I'm excited to do this. I was excited. Really? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I'm being genuine. I feel like you... Mine sounded disingenuous, yeah. but it was so very. I genuine. knew you were. You were. We've been trying to make this happen mm-hmm. for a while. It's just been like schedules and stuff have been all over the place. I'm glad we figured out. You know what's exciting is you're the first um, evening recording. Oh, really? Yeah, you're the first weekday recording. You're the first evening recording. Everything else has been on a weekend. In the afternoon or something. In the afternoon, like anywhere between like eleven and. One to two. Damn. I know. Is that is this good? Is this is it usually this intimate? Yeah, I mean it. That's the <laughs> yeah. There's a little more like natural light coming okay. in from some of the other ones, just because it's like daytime and I don't have curtains. Fair. Really, but I mean I own curtains. I just like choose to not use <laughs> whatever them. you do with your. I just don't want people. Business. I just don't want people to think that they're listening to someone with curtains and or without curtains, and then they get sad. Wow. And they find out when you have curtains. <laughs> <laughs> They're listening. It's like this motherfucker have curtains. Yeah, I I don't hear curtains. I don't hear curtains. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) When they're silent, there you can hear that curtain in the background. All right, this podcast is good. (laughs) My right now, my living room, the curtains are unusable because they are behind the plastic seal that keeps the outside air from coming inside. What? So can I I go look? Yeah. He's now checking my curtains to, because my explanation was so bad. Oh man, if this was on video, oh, I gotcha. Yep, yep. What'd you find? I found exactly what you. Found. <laughs> I should have done a better job of describing. No, no, you were you were fine. I just I've I don't think I've ever seen that before. So I was like, the plastic wrap. Yeah. What did your family do? You're from Michigan, isn't it cold there? It is cold there. Uh, what did we do? I don't know what we did. I was in your home, and there were definitely windows that could have used plastic wrap to insulate some stuff. Yeah. I wonder if, because we, because I've never seen that in my family, I don't think ever did that. I wonder if we just played, paid like higher bills just to pump that heat in there. Yeah, maybe. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, you could have saved money. We could have. Could have worn like nicer clothes growing up, but your parents were like, <laughs> nah, fuck that, we're not going to pay for the plastic. No, dude, it's You're the in- 90s, man. You got to wear baggy, baggy shit. <laughs> baggy, colorful shit. <laughs> I was in what your you, home. I just say, hello. I just say my mom when I was like, "What are you a small? You're the XL." <laughs> my mom used to um, uh, like when my pants stopped fitting on my when they when they still fit me in my waist and they didn't fit me at length anymore. She just would turn them into shorts. She would just oh, yeah. cut. She would just cut it. Nice. I guess, but recycle would... recycling. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you don't like that. You know, like how it looks cool now. I think like when people, I don't even know if it looks cool, but it's like acceptable or whatever. As a child, in my head, I I was not excited about that. Okay. Maybe now, if my mom, if my mom did that to my pants today, I'd be pretty mad still. <laughs> yeah. The fuck, these pants still fit me, mom. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would feel weird about that. If she cut your pants, your mom's in like cut your pants or anything no i god it was so weird in high school i did not in high school and before even in college really i don't i didn't care much of what clothes i was wearing or what i looked like um so like i would wear the same pair of pants not days in a row but like 
for the cup for a couple years i didn't grow much so i would just wear the same pants not caring about styles or whatever and then every couple months my mom would be like you need clothes we're gonna get clothes i'm like all right so i just go with her and she's like do you like this i'm like yeah so like every few months i'd go get clothes maybe but i wouldn't care what about now what about now i i still i think i have a better idea of what my style is yeah but i still don't go shopping for clothes how do you get new clothes Hmm? where do you get new clothes from um i i feel like i go to old navy or gap a lot because I well shout out to the old navy and yeah, for yeah. clothing you because without them you'd be running around <laughs> I'd be naked naked maybe but I'm working out so that would be more and more more and more likable as we as we go forward well hey man yeah. I probably wouldn't let you in my house I think I I do have a a strict clothing I mean I know no. no you're not gonna agree with that no I, yeah that's because I would not, I don't want to have like a rule I would say that you at least have to enter into my house with clothes and then ask, ease your way into. Yeah. As, As time passes yeah. and you start to feel, not even just anyone starts to feel like they don't want their clothes on anymore. Yes. I think that I would, I'd like to be. As the night would go there with whoever was there, but it would have to lead there itself. I would hope so. If someone walks into my house naked, I just don't know like what you're about. Like, cause usually like if someone's at your door and they're already naked. <laughs> you don't want them to enter. No. Cause I even would... like the, in those like in shows or in movies where the sexy girl shows up, she at least has a coat on. Yeah. And then she comes but that's into it. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. That's yeah. at least I'm. I'm imagining like you knock on my door and you just are butt ass naked. <laughs> like, can I help you? Something has happened yeah. to you. If it's, I don't know what that <laughs> sound was. I've never heard that. <laughs> that sound. That was awesome. So scary. I want to know what it was now. Um, what were we talking about? Naked I, people. You specifically. <laughs> I, I don't think I would ever try to enter someone's home naked. I think if I, if my goal was to be naked in someone's home, I would enter it and then try and be naked. If my goal was to enter someone's house naked, um, I don't. I wouldn't go to the front door. Yeah, no, that's a good move. You got it. Would you? If you're going through the back door, then are you sneaking in or are you just like still knocking and being polite? Uh, I wouldn't knock, but if I'm gonna announce my presence at all, it'd be on my way in. It's like, hey, open the door as I'm walking in naked. That's how most people walk into the To Catch a Predator homes. Oh, yeah. Came in through the back door, sometimes naked, and then announced themselves yeah. usually. And what's his name? And was like, have a seat. Chris Hansen. He let them. Chris Hansen. You know what's crazy about that show, man? They would just like, they would let them, like, talk for a little bit, like, yeah. to the pretend girl. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, for, I, I don't know if you. Dude, yeah, so they'd, like, walk into the house, and then the girl, or the, I mean, it was usually, I guess, like, they were trying to catch dudes trying to sleep with, like, young girls or whatever, yeah. but they would, like, that, there would be a, an actress or a person, like, playing that child, and they'd be like, oh, hey, come into the house, there's, yeah. like, a drink. It was never very long, though, was it? It was, like, usually just to get them all the way in. Yeah. So, like, ten seconds, maybe. Mm, sure, to get, to get sure. Them, like, hey, just... They're like, hey, just hang out in the kitchen. I'll be right there. I think, yeah, I guess, yeah, to give them the sense so that they don't run away. Yeah. Because if you if Chris Hansen opens a door, you're probably thinking. Yeah, if Chris Hansen opens the door, you're out. Yeah, you're leaving. There but was... then you'll get tackled right away. Because they talk for, like, however long the dude wants to talk. But as soon as, like, the conversation ends... You're getting tackled. You're, yeah, you're getting tackled. But they, like... He, Chris Hansen was kind of a dick because he didn't tell them that they were about to get arrested, I don't think. He would just be like, all right, you can go now. So this person's leaving this home thinking they just... Did they ever? Did the conversation ever end with like, all right, you can go? I think he always said that. I think he really? let them walk out of the house. It always seemed like, 
maybe, I didn't. I haven't seen many episodes, but I feel like the episodes I saw, the guy would just be like, "I'm done with this. I'm leaving," and would just like walk out on Chris Hansen, and then get like tackled in the front yard. Oh, I see what you're saying, as opposed to them both coming to the nice end of a conversation. Yeah, they're like, and then "Okay, well, thanks for talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye." There was this one dude who took all of his clothes off upon entering the house. I think I've seen that one. That's like the. That's a pretty good one. Does he talk to Chris with his clothes off? No. Oh, Chris gives him a towel. Uh, Chris is a sweet dude, kind of, I guess. God, there was one where the fucking guy had his children or somebody's child. In his car? In the car. And he was like, I'm going to go and do this real quick. And then the kid, and I think his wife or some other female was in the car with the child. Because he's not irresponsible. You're not going to just leave a kid alone in a car. Even when you're going to go. Even though you're... Sounds like you're generally irresponsible if you're even doing that. Yeah, I think so. Man, that sucks. That's that is amazing to me that if you have a wife and a child, that you would just. I'm gonna pop in here real quick. Wow. Didn't he get? Do think they got pissed while, like, waiting for him to talk to Chris Hansen? <laughs> they're, they're waiting in the car. Hurry up! Hurry up! The kid's hungry. Are you gonna the... fuck that kid or not? <laughs> <laughs> I see you in the kitchen talking to some man. You cheating on me with Chris Hansen. Well, I don't wait at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Your kid wants to. Yeah, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> that show, do you think, like, if, if you had children and you found out that your children were watching that TV show, do you think you'd stop them from watching it? Like, my parents didn't... I don't know if I watched with my parents or if they knew I was watching it, but I was never told, hey, don't watch this show anymore. <laughs> Is it an important show for children to see? Um, I feel hey, like... if Chris Hansen is at your door, that means some person's yeah. going to be coming over. I feel like it's an important idea for children to know, like, it, that's wrong. It's important for them to know that, but I don't think it's a show that children should be watching. Like, getting into the head of... A person like that doesn't seem healthy. Yeah. But, like I said, the idea that that is wrong, if anyone's talking to you that way, don't don't talk to this person. Get away. Find an adult you trust. I think that's an important idea for them to know. But you don't want to watch Chris, Chris Hansen talk to some fucking dude <laughs> while his <laughs> wife and kids are in the car outside on their way to Disney World. Yeah, what am I learning? Daddy! <laughs> Daddy, get back out of here! Who's that man? He can come! Did your parents give you the sex talk as a kid? No. They didn't? No. Mine didn't either. Mm, did you get anything? Because I, I I have a story, but... No, please tell me. Okay. Yes. Um, maybe you had a similar experience, but I never got the sex talk, but I came from, home from school one day, and there was just a book on my bed called the... I think it was called The Guy's Book, and it just like explains all the sex stuff with a metaphors to cars. I don't consider myself like a hyper masculine man. Yeah. So, and I don't think my parents, I, I don't know anything about cars. How old so were you if, as this was happening? I think I was, I was probably 13 or 14. I was in middle school. Okay. But there's just a book on my bed. I'm like, what's this? And like a fucking lamb to slaughter, I just pick it up, start reading it. I read the whole thing. And that's, One night? Uh, that seems crazy. <laughs> I think... I think it was through the next couple nights I was just like looking at it and like, oh, it's about, because it starts very, it doesn't go right into like, here's what your penis does. Here's what vaginas are. It like, it eases into it like, hey, being a teenager is weird. We get it. Sometimes your engines just 
going through some things you gotta <laughs> i don't know you gotta clean it up every now and then yeah so like car metaphors throughout the whole book you learn about some people are given tiny four-door cars some people are <laughs> what does that mean and they're born with limos yeah tiny oh, four-door okay, cars yeah, a small yeah. penis and I a limo you. would be a large penis. i just i was trying to think what four doors means for a penis four balls <laughs> a tiny four balls <laughs> situation <laughs> Could have said coop, I guess, yeah. but sometimes coops coops seem cool. Yeah. Coops seem like a cool small dick. Yeah. Like you got a little dick, but you like know how to work. <laughs> but like a four door regular ass penis is like just some boring. Some people got eighteen wheelers, huge with eighteen balls. <laughs> My parents, that would be disgusting. Eighteen balls? How many balls is too many for you? I guess if I have to picture it, give me a second. Where would you put all 18... If you had 18 balls, where would you put <laughs> all of them? Tuck them back. Yeah. Put them in your pockets. Because sometimes two seems like too many. Sometimes like the two becoming inconvenient. Um, I think if I saw four balls, I would be afraid. Yeah. Three balls, I'd be like, okay, that's just weird. They have a thing. Um, they have a thing. They should go to a doctor. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. But four balls, I'd be like, okay, that's very abnormal. If I saw 18 balls... There's no way I'm looking at a penis. There's, that's something else I'm looking <laughs> at. Balls are so many. We didn't have the sex talk really um, either. Uh, my mom. I remember my mom telling me that like her parents didn't really give her the sex talk, and same with my dad, uh, and that's why they were awkward about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sex talk. I think I might have said this to another friend on one of these, but like um, my. Sex talk with my mom was I was dating this girl um, when I was in my first year of pharmacy school. And my mom said, are you having sex? And I said, mom. And then we stopped talking about it. <laughs> when did you first have sex? Uh, 21. Uh, dude, I was, uh, I was 20. So Lame. I know, dude. <laughs> I went through high school, nothing. And then... How many girls did you kiss in high school? Um... How do I answer this without sounding like a douchebag? Uh, several. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. good. I had, I had a girl. I probably had a girlfriend um, every year throughout high school. Really? One, one more serious, serious girlfriend um, my junior year, and then one over the summer before college. Um, so yeah, I probably dated three or four girls in high school, and when I got to college, I had kind of. Maybe self-awareness decided that that was too many. So I was like, I need to be more intelligent with dating. So I only dated two girls in my too many years of college. Whoa. Yeah. I So I kissed a girl. The first girl I kissed was like after seventh, after eighth grade. So like, I don't know if I was in high school or on my way to high school. Okay. I kissed a girl. And then I didn't kiss another girl until... Prom senior year. Wow. So four years Damn. of not kissing a lady. And then I kissed a girl my freshman year of college. Nice. She had a tongue ring that vibrated. What? It was crazy. <laughs> it was awesome. Nice. It was probably I don't I don't know if I'd want to have that happen again, but it was interesting. In, yeah. I, you have that in your life? Oh. I'm so glad. I, I kind of remember that night. I remember it was in a room. It was freshman year of college, sort of new to drinking. We're all drinking in the dorm room. Me and this girl are making out with her vibrating tongue ring <laughs> on this 
like waterbed air mattress. I think it was Ooh. an air mattress in a dorm room while there are people in the room. Like it was. Were you like aware that like there's other people? We were all very. Everyone was very aware, but people were drinking. Other people were like in the bathroom, just kind of going in and out of the bathroom, yeah. just like peeing together or just like there. There was people around. Where as you were making out with her, were you aware? That other people were like in the. Yes, I was having conversations. I remember asking my friends, "Should I have sex with her? Should I have sex with her?" Yeah. She's standing. She's right there, and there was. I think I was scared, so I didn't want to have yeah. sex with her. Oh, yeah. But like, just yeah, very, very open. And then uh, I didn't kiss another lady until the woman I ended up like sleeping with. Yeah. The first time she touched my penis, I remember, <laughs> which was like kind of the first time anyone had touched my penis besides my, yourself. Besides myself, yeah. yeah, my body straight up froze. Like I couldn't uh, move any muscle of my body and I was like this is awesome it was wild that's fun <laughs> yeah dude I wasn't like a big dater man mm. and like I haven't really been in like relationships really it's been a lot of just like yeah. I I think my biggest relationships were my junior year of high school and I dated a girl for what, eight months and then my senior my fourth and fifth year of college i dated someone for almost a year and a half fourth and fifth year of college you dated oh yeah whoa yeah it's a long time or that seems like a long time i don't know if that's like that's the longest relationship i've been in so it's long i would agree it's long it's the longest one i know can i ask why that ended um she graduated and i still had time before i was lost and depressed and even I would even agree with myself now, but at the time I was like, she'll have a better life if I end this now. And you felt like you were holding her down. Yeah, because I was depressed. I wasn't doing well. I didn't know. I was studying physics, doing horrible. I'm like, I have even if I want this to happen, I have several more years. I really believe that I want this to happen, so I'm gonna keep going with it. But I'm holding her back. She's she's like trying to visit me every like other week, and I'm just. A depressed person I don't I don't like me I don't think she likes me um, so I remember like telling myself like she'll have a better life if I break up with her now and I did and I remember I cried when I broke up with her and then I remember she like because we did it over FaceTime whatever. you broke up over FaceTime yeah I mean because she she lived with her parents like three hours from where three hours from where we went to school um I'm just trying to remember all the details. I feel um, like I want to play a sad acoustic guitar as you <laughs> tell this story. I just, I've never played a guitar before, so I'm playing one with my hands. Okay. Pluck, 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 pluck. <laughs> she, she was living with her parents three hours away from where we were going to school. And at the time of the breaking up uh, with her, I was back home. So we were like five, six hours apart. And she had planned on visiting like two weeks later um but i'm like i don't want to have her visit and do it then or have me go to her and do it so it's obviously it's best to do it in person sure so, and i didn't want to do it over text because that's fucking horrible didn't want to do it over the phone because that's equally horrible so i'm like this is the best version of doing it in person it's like we can both see each other say it we can both talk a little bit um so i did it and then we talked for a minute um, I cried, she cried. Um, yeah. And then, like, a month or so later, she went to, like, Venezuela 
for a month and I remember feeling so good I was like her life is fucking going she's doing she's graduating she's doing stuff because you don't think she would have done that stuff had you like no she would have spent her I feel like she would have spent her time trying to see me coming back to college to visit me instead she can travel and now she can go she now lives in Detroit and it has a job and it's doing well and I still think it was the right thing to do because her life has been better what uh what made you like what makes you feel like it is your responsibility to sort of like let her free as I opposed think, to like her I think you asked the perfect question because it's not that's that's another thought I've been having since like because I was de- I feel like I was depressed for a long time even like in the first year or so doing improv I think I've told you this before but like it's only been like the last year and a half or so where I finally feel like I'm the main character in my story and that I'm not the supporting character in someone else's story oh cool yeah uh, so where was I going I was going somewhere with that uh, I asked why why did you think it was your responsibility oh, to... and something I like or an idea that has recently come up probably in that last year and a half is like it's not up to me to decide if she likes me or not sure it's I should I should know how I feel about her and it's up to her if she wants to how she wants to live her life if she wants to be with me I shouldn't decide for her that her that her life will be better yeah 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 without me cause that's up to her design maybe she would rather be with me but that's up to her to decide do you feel like if you would've stayed together you wouldn't have like <clears throat> done this sh- like it's so that sort of stuff like um uh, I get sometimes I get really uh, like I don't know if freaked out is a nostalgic crack. kind of or well I guess what I was, what I was thinking was like the when you think about those pivotal points I would love a cookie <laughs> is it the whole thing is for me yeah I have another one is this a chocolate chip yeah or M and M M and M there's definitely some chocolate chip in here there's too chocolate chip and M and M I love cookies so much <laughs> I learned um. That uh, I didn't mean to derail what you were going to nah, say. It was I, I won't forget it. Okay, I'm going to draw a triangle on my paper to remind me about the point of diversion. Okay, cool. Or I'm going to forget and I just see a shape. I learned a few weeks ago that I think my favorite cookie is a gingerbread cookie made specifically by a coworker of mine because she made these fucking gingerbread cookies and she gave me like six different batches she just made them for like thanksgiving and then for christmas holiday parties for family and then also for work and each new batch just was like better and within each batch each next cookie i had became fucking better wow i've never had that happen the last cookie i ate was the best cookie i've ever eaten in my life are you afraid now to eat another cookie because it may not no <laughs> i'm not it afraid. never scared my also, first time I've never chewed on a mic before. Nice. Is it a good experience? I don't know. We'll find out later. I'm going to hate it. Uh, my favorite cookie is those um, the like holiday ones. Whatever holiday it is, they have them for every one of them. Um, it comes in like a cylinder of dough, and then you just unwrap the cylinder, and you have to like cut each one. They're sugar cookies, and they're like quick, easy to make. You just cut up that cylinder and a bunch of things. Put them on the tray, put them in for like 15 minutes, and I think those are so nice. Are those Pillsbury Doughboy cookies? Yeah. I like the ones that you have to like, the ones mm. that you have to pop open. Like the croissant type? Yeah. Or just, I just, really anything that comes in that container. No, I just like that pop. Maybe that's what we heard earlier. I don't just, you know, they don't just like self-pop. 
A lot of pressure. They're taking over. We thought it was computers. It was a fucking no. Pillsbury. Pillsbury Doughboy cookies. Pillsbury <laughs> Dough cookies are just gonna pop. Yeah, but you spontaneous like popping. If I had to fight a computer, if I had to fight a fucking uncooked croissant, <laughs> I'm kicking that croissant's ass. Yeah. There's no chance. I saw a video today of this robot backflipping, first jumping, <laughs> first jumping, like backwards onto a like onto a raised thing, and then jumping 180. And then backflipping. Oh my god. I can't do any of that stuff. Well, I can do the jumping in 180. I don't, I don't know how to backflip. Yeah. The one time I tried to backflip when I was in 8th grade, it was into a pile of snow, and I just barely missed landing on my head and breaking my neck. Jesus. I got like the, the like, what is the, I got 185, 185 <laughs> degrees. I, yeah, and I know what you mean. <laughs> where my head just like. Got under enough where you under could. Under enough where I could slide. Because if I had come straight down, my ass would have been paralyzed. That would have been terrible. I've um, I've done a black, a backflip before. In real life? Yeah. Um, Where? God, the things I was in a fraternity in college, and the things you'll do for like the Greek Week final dance. Yeah. Um. There's a like Greek Week is a big deal for if you're in a fraternity or sorority, and like throughout the week, there's different charities and different events. And, uh, this is at the end of school, or it's the beginning. It's of in the, like college? the middle of the spring semester. Okay. Um, I was not in that life, so I don't know anything. Uh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's not important. Um, but like the people will like prepare for like the different academic events, the athletic events, but like people will prepare for like the mock rock for the entire semester. What is the mock rock? It's like you, at the beginning of the week, you get like a theme, and then you put your you put like a mix of songs together, and then you plan dances for each of those, and it's like a five six minute dance number that you put together for this mix of song mix of songs, and we, I think one year we were with um, another sorority who also takes it very seriously, and on Monday they're like Miles, we're gonna you're gonna do a backflip. For during this dance number, I'm like, all right, I don't, I've never done that before, and like, I worked with for literally a straight week. Every like, almost every moment in rehearsal, I was working with these two gymnasts to get me to do a backflip, just standing on the ground, and it was insane. But with all that practice in one week, that intense intensity of practice by Friday at like, or like Friday or Saturday at noon. Got up, did our performance, middle of it, I did a backflip. I think we ended up winning because of how seriously we took it, but it took me a week to learn how to do a backflip. When did you, by, like, what day were you actually, did you not do the backflip until Friday? Um, I'm pretty nimble, so I think I was, um, I was in a good spot when we started. They are like, okay, we can get you to do this by Friday. I was like, Jesus Christ. And then probably by, like, Wednesday, I was in pain just physically from like always like trying to do that and then probably by like friday i could like get it somewhat and then by saturday it was like just muscle memory of like here's how you do it that's awesome what about now can you backflip no no did it like disappear did that skill sort of like after you did it did you just kind of i think um i think i'm just more scared now i don't know i don't know how to elaborate on that but the, i like caution that comes with growing up yeah like, i think you're like wow that's super dangerous bro we used to play 
football in the alley in the winter time when I was like in high school with my friends. It was just like four of us, and we would play when there was ice and shit, and we would jump. Full we, contact. Uh, we would play tag, but like it was icy. Yeah. And I would like, I remember jumping up into the air to either catch something or go for a touchdown, and like getting shoved by a friend, yeah. like just into a snowbank that may or may not have had ice in yeah. it. I've hit my head hard on cement, like diving for something before without any fucking care at all about anything and my parents like just like all right go for it like have fun playing football there's no and like i mean no one really ever got really 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 hurt Mm -hmm. i can't remember i think like we someone threw a tennis racket at my friend's face once and busted his lip but that's maybe the most severe injury in like this i would never do that Mm -hmm. today didn't give a shit at all dude when I was in elementary school, there was there was only like four or five guys in my neighborhood that were around my age. Um, but in elementary school, the, the rest were ninety years old. You yeah, lived in a retirement home. Old. <laughs> <laughs> the four four of us would play football, and in the most unfair way possible, there's me and this other guy my age playing against two other kids that are three years older than us. And one dude is ended up playing. Uh, I think defensive tackle at Central Michigan University. So he's a big dude. Uh, he was a big dude back then, and then grew up to even be a bigger dude. Their dude, the other guy, was like fast as hell, and like just intense. And like you know those kids who are just like don't get it yet, and are like way too like aggressive. Yep. The smaller one was like that. So there's like this super big dude who ended up playing football at Central, and then this shorter, athletic, aggressive dude played against me and my friend. Who are like probably the most average elementary school students possible? Yeah. But we, I remember, I remember, I, I would, I would tackle the big dude just by like getting caught in his legs and just like holding on as much as I could. Yeah. Because that's how it had to happen. The only way to get him down was just like jump in his legs, get caught in him, pull, and and just yeah, just keep like wrangling. Yeah. We, we did. We would play uh, like in eighth grade. So we, I went to this. Um, high school that had a wing for 7th and 8th grader so there's like a lot of schools in the city that do that mm-hmm. and so I basically did like my freshman year of high school over the course of 7th and 8th grade okay um, and so their schedule like we would take the bus we would get picked up in the yellow school bus or whatever to get there and like um, there were certain days where it started at 9 but we still got there for the 8 o'clock start so we would get there at like 7.30 so we'd have a bunch of time to just like mess around so we'd play football out like all the dudes would play football so this like it would I don't remember how many children but in my head it was like 20 on 20 everybody's a wide receiver football and like we were playing tackle and nobody knew how to correctly tackle Mm -hmm. nobody was wearing any pads obviously so like you're catching knees in the head i got fucking clotheslined by this kid when he came to tackle me nobody and nobody really got hurt i like really don't remember anyone yeah like actually getting hurt yeah and that's crazy because now thinking back as like adults like you can't let that happen that's so dangerous someone could get hurt but i remember doing it no one really got hurt yeah and i guess that's the to make this maybe dumbly official like that do do parents now need to stop that from happening i don't know that's what i think i'm like i no one really got hurt when i did it and it's not like yeah i don't i mean i just i mean to be very i don't like clearly i don't think either of us can speak on the like plight of a parent yes um but like 
Where's the I don't know where's that limit of what you do let your kids do and not let your kids do to like, let I them found, experience and grow and... yeah there was this really cool did you ever listen to Invisibilia on NPR it was this like podcast where they did uh, it was a really cool podcast so there was one episode where they talked about this guy who is blind um, but he taught himself echolocation wow so he like it's called um, the oh, fuck I don't remember what the episode is called but like he rides around a bicycle he bicycles around town and he's blind he cannot see. Anything. I don't know why I described to you what blind was. For those of you that don't know what blind is, blind is when you don't have eyes. What is, what's blind? Blind is where you don't have eyes in your head. What? You're born without eyes. People are born without eyes in their head? Four balls, though. They didn't travel up. Their eyeballs are in there. Are in their mouths. So if you were to cut that thing open, there are pupils. Yeah, there are pupils. They're blinking all the time. Oh, yeah. uh, so he... Yeah, it is. <laughs> so they... Um, so, so he taught himself echolocation. And they did like scans of his brain... And the parts of our brain that light up when we're seeing things, his brain lit up lit up when he was echolocating things. I just, I I just need you to answer this because in my mind I keep laughing. Would he just be riding his bicycle around? He's like ah, <laughs> <laughs> would just make a high pitched noise so he can get. Oh, it I didn't back. say. Oh, he's a dolphin. Sorry. Oh, okay, thank you. He's a dolphin. That fits now. It fits in my. It's like a- <laughs> I just, imagine, I just imagine an old man for some reason riding his bike around a city just ah it's old dolphin boy again he's just right ah like get out of my way he just your does dolphins, that and all of a sudden knows you're next to him your dolphin sounds like Chris Tucker <laughs> sounds like you're Chris Tucker uh, I gotta stop doing Chris Tucker impression that's horribly racist and not funny anymore someone told me it's not very good and I'm like oh that person I thought sucks it was, yeah. was it Chris Tucker himself no it was Nick Latham. He told me it's not very good, and that hurt my feelings. Oh. I, you know what I like about the... Uh, well, what I like and I dislike about post-improv shows is that if it goes good or if it goes bad, everyone says good show. And I've said good show to people who I thought had a garbage show. Oh, yeah. But I don't want to be told bad show. So yeah. I'm going to continue to pass along the like support. Yeah. Unless it's maybe someone I'm really close with and we can talk about it after or whatever. But yeah. like... Also, I mean, I also kind of don't think like that's the time to be like, yo, I don't know you, but that was fucking rough. T-. Unless it was yeah. really mean or weird, I, or unless like unless for some reason that show they just said yeah. something that like I don't, I can't even think of what would really yeah. really offend me. But just like, yeah, I mean, most I think it's just like I don't. Know, I look at it as like people are going up on stage and they're like putting doing their it? shit out there and trying. And at least if you look like you're trying and you're not trying to be offensive, even if it is bad, you just, that just means you like yeah. have to work on it a little. I bit. think if someone had like an offensive show, I wouldn't say anything. Unless I knew them. Um, if someone had just like a meh show, I'll say good show. Yeah. If someone had a good show, I will talk to them like, hey, dude, that was really, that was good. Yeah. I'll I, lean into it a little bit more, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, you change like the tone of the way yeah. that you say it. I'm going to be careful next time you tell me. I'm going to have to really listen in on how you yeah. tell me good show after hey, a show. Hey, good show, man. See you later. <laughs> Bye. I can't talk to you. Oh, no. It was no, sick. it was bad. <laughs> so this, this person... Um, he like uh, I don't remember, I don't remember the sound he makes, but I think he like clicks, like he'll like. I think he does. He doesn't make the fucking dolphin sound. Ah! Yeah, he's not doing <laughs> so. <laughs> you got a really good dolphin. If Thanks, there's man. ever like a cartoon that needs a dolphin that doesn't speak English and just uses dolphin, wouldn't they just like? I guess in that situation they just. Use I just want to make like a biopic of that man riding his bicycle, but oh. as a dolphin. No, just like I'll play the guy. Sure, you'd be a dolphin. Fine. Oh, you want to be him? Yeah. I just want to be him, and just like the whole thing opens with like me riding a bike, <laughs> and I'm like, you do 
I was going to say something horrible. Yeah. You do that blind face. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. And then you ride your you put bike. put on sunglasses and then, and then you take the sunglasses off. Yeah, and, your eyes and then all like, of a sudden, they're, as you're riding your bike, ah! That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And then, you know, you take a left because you know where it is now. Because <laughs> you can see it. Yeah, because you can see now. Uh, this is... so, so he teaches to... He clicks his way to um, uh, see stuff. And so he, like taught himself that and what he does and one of the things he does now is he tries to teach blind children that technique wow because one of his beliefs is like we have uh, this is all his sort of paraphrased words mm-hmm. um it's like uh the society has sort of coddled blind people to make them not um want to like try and uh like learn how to see a quote mm-hmm. unquote or whatever um and so he teaches children like how to uh that skill wow and so what what the way he teaches children is he has them like stand sort of near a road and then kind of walk towards it and he like stays behind them he's like keep clicking or whatever until you get to the edge of the road and he and uh i guess like a lot of the times the parents are also there and a lot of the times the parents will stop the kid from getting to the edge of the road out of fear that their kid's going to walk into the road. But this, this gen, whose name I can't even remember, but his belief is like, you got to let them, you, you, you're coddling them. Like, yeah, you got to let them make they it walk. They will not in. figure it out if you. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you don't allow them to do that, like, so, and he hits that too. So like his mom, when he was younger, he would ride bikes fucking like, that's why they kept going back. He'd been doing this since he was little. And his, like when his mom was saying like other moms would be like, how can you let your kid go bike riding and he can't see anything? Like, what if he gets hit? And she was like, anyone can get hit on a bicycle. I don't want to be restricting him. Like it would be a tragedy if I didn't let him find out. It would be a tragedy if I didn't let him run into a tree. Like I don't want to out of, I don't want to restrict him so much that I'm scared he's going to run into a tree. I'd rather let him run into the tree and fuck up and learn and learn from that yeah but it's like i just kind of been talking about like as i know it's weird i don't know how your relationship like with your parents is but as i've gotten older like in these last few years like sort of starting to like befriend them more a little bit yeah. just like being able to have like more adult conversations and i think maybe because they're starting to see like i mean they still worry and they still like whatever advice but to see that you're more of an adult now yeah so you can kind of talk about those things and i was just i was talking to my mom like it's like how do you wrap your head around this thing of like you you want your kid to learn stuff and it's we know but you have to keep them safe you have to keep them safe and you want to protect them but you also know that if you overprotect, then you're gonna like if you don't let people make mistakes or they're not gonna learn shit like that's such a vital part of being i think like a functional human human is you learn from the your fuck-ups and your struggles and obviously everyone has very different levels and i think i've been really lucky in that most of my struggles have come with like a good support system and kind of a safe yeah. place for the most part. other people have like very different like experiences mm-hmm. or whatever but like um my parents kind of let me they were i was definitely like sheltered mm-hmm. to some degree but like that's what kind of let me do my own thing. They kind of like, auto- not even autonomous. They allowed me to make mistakes somewhat. I definitely think that they yeah. coddled me in some yeah. ways. And now I'm kind of still, that's why sometimes like, I mean, I'm about to turn 30 and I still feel like, like I look at like, just like young 20 year olds. I'm like, oh, you're like a much smarter person than me. You know yeah. some stuff <laughs> that doing... I'm just now figuring out as a 30 year old that oh, yeah. you are now at 22 already fucking know. And like, yeah. but that, I'm, I don't even know what the fuck that must feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you even, how does a parent wrap their head around both of those things? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 
I I feel like I am very similar in the way that I I grew up sheltered. Um, I was in I feel like a small ish town where like it was I felt very sheltered, very easy to be Mus- in that town. Muskegon. Muskegon, Michigan. Muskegon, Michigan. Um, so very in a very sheltered place and sheltered by my parents, but also I don't think my parents restricted me from doing a lot. Yeah. I just naturally didn't do a lot of the things that like I didn't drink until college. I didn't have sex until college. I like there's just so many things that I didn't I didn't do just because I didn't do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. And like my parents would call me I had like a shitty cell phone my junior year of high school and then they would text me or call me and like, Hey, where are you? I'm like, Oh man, my buddy's house like, let us know. I'm like, Alright, never did. <laughs> but like just kind know. of go through go through life, got back home whenever and I don't know, never did anything wrong and then yeah, I don't know. Dude, me neither. Like, I, I hung out with the same, like, three other dudes. Like, mostly. There was other friends, but, like, there was, like, the core of us four that, like, just sort of stuck together. And, like, on weekends, of the four, I was the one kid that had cable. And the other three didn't. And then I think because, like, and I don't know if that's, like, the reason, but because they would just come over and watch all the cable stuff at my house, I feel like they never, like, they never were, like, Mom, you have to get cable. So their parents just never got cable, really. Yeah. Until, like, there was, like, a change recently where TV was, like, you either get cable or you get nothing. So you have yeah. to get cable. So, like, they were over always over at my house. Like, specifically, like, on Fridays, they would come over to my house and my mom would be in the kitchen. And she would, like, for, for an hour and a half just be making quesadillas. Fresh quesadillas nonstop nice. because we're four growing ass boys who would put down so many quesadillas. And yeah. My mom loved that shit, dude. We would drink like a shit ton of soda, like it jacked up on Coke, like probably uh-huh. go through like a 12 pack and more sometimes. In a night. In a night, just like drinking, playing video games and like watching MTV or whatever basketball game. Mm-hmm. Or we were at my other friend's house who lived down the road and we would just be at his place playing sports in the alley yeah. or just playing video games at his crib. And that was really like the, that was it. And then one other friend's house maybe, but like my fuck, where I was going was one of like four places. My parents never really had to wear, like I didn't have a cell phone, but they knew where you would like where I was. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it was kind of nice. Like I did, they didn't have to like worry or they kind of knew where I was all the time. And also like you, like, I don't know if I ever felt like specifically restricted, but I just didn't do shit. Yeah. I didn't drink until college either like mm-hmm. until a few months into college like i remember feeling really judgy about drinking still when i went into college yeah and like some of my friends were drinking and i would go home i went to i went to loyola which was like 15 minutes from my parents house and okay. I, st- I had a dorm there but like i would come home for a few weekends until i started drinking and then i like stopped going home so I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this i'm gonna stay here and party the best dude. yeah it was awesome but yeah like i just I can remember, like, I remember my like, my first day of college, just like the freedom and being like, does nobody give a shit? No one does. Nobody does, man. It mm-hmm. was crazy. I, I wonder, like, I mean, I guess things worked out okay. Like, I never feel like that has the potential to to like, ruin lives. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I got we got in trouble for drinking in the dorm room a few times, but I I mean. I was in a pro. I was in this like um, six year pharmacy program, so like I knew I was already going to be in pharmacy school when I started undergrad. Okay, and I thought I was going to get kicked out of that program when we got caught oh, drinking. So it that's was on what you were worried. big time, dude. It was on St. Patrick's Day, 
Um, we had a lot of people in the dorm. We shouldn't have been doing that anyways because they were patrolling. I had some friends from a different college who were in town over at my place. Wow. So it was big. <laughs> it was big. a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, it was big and it was loud and we were hammered. And we thought it'd be fun to collect all of our beer cans into an aquarium tank. Like the huge, like, multi-gallon okay. fish yeah, yeah. tank. So we were just, like, throwing it in there. And then they knocked on our door and we didn't let the RAs in. And they tried to, like, open the lock. And my friend stood there and was holding it and kept, like, turning the lock as they tried oh, to get geez, in. that's bad news. And then as they tried to get in, my other friend was sitting on a chair and said, let them in. I'll kick his ass. We were feeling confident. We thought yeah. we could fight them. And as that's all happening, we're throwing, like, the fucking beer cans out the window. They finally call the police, and they stand us outside. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, I'm going to get fucking kicked out of this school. And then the, we just got, like... We got put on probation. Yeah, like, it was crazy, man. Like, Loyola... I know other schools just, like, gave you drink tickets, but, like, Loyola, you, like, sat in a tribunal. So, like, the people that got in trouble and then the people who wrote you up, they read the report of the night, which is... In it was, like, the quote, like, and then someone said, let him in, I'll kick his ass. Yeah. And then you get to retort and be like, well, actually, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that was... And then we just got, like... They said, if you get in trouble again, you're gonna get kicked out of the dorms or whatever. So it's not really much of a consequence. Yeah. But that's like the I think that's like about the worst that it got. Okay. In the sort of getting too crazy. Uh-huh. Um I never got in trouble in my dorms. I was president of my hall when I first started. So I was on That is so <laughs> lame. I know. Unless it was cool, I don't know. What did eh, It was it wasn't that important. I think I felt cool when I got it, but I didn't do anything with it. And... You said president of your hall? Yeah. That's just like so your like floor? my dorm. The whole building? Yeah. Like, I was in a building called the Towers, which had, like, four undergrad halls, or four, like, freshman halls, and then, like, four, or then three, like, upperclassmen halls. Yeah. So, I was president of, like, my hall. Yeah. So Did you get any cool, like, um, hats or sashes? No, I got to go to a bunch of meetings. <laughs> that was about That's it. That's such a fucking lie that they tell you. Like, when you're going to get a dope-ass title like the president, yeah. they should give you some kind of, like... Hat. Hat. <laughs> or, like, you know, like, when dictators... Get a sash? That have crazy amounts of medals? Yeah. You should get that. I should get a medal. I would say at least one. Yeah. Do you ever do Boy Scouts? I did, but... Oh, this is such a tragic story. I... Growing up, I was very good at tennis... And there, so I did Boy Scouts and tennis. And then at one point, they like intersected with one another time wise. And my mom's like, You're not doing Boy Scouts anymore. So, like, she made that choice for me, like, You're not doing Boy Scouts. Why? Because you're, I was getting, I was very good at tennis growing up because my parents wanted to work out. So they just put me in tennis classes. And then I ended up getting very good at it when I was like in middle school and such. So I was in middle school and I was in middle school playing tennis pretty well and then um also in boy scouts and the boy scout like troops around my area aren't very organized so my mom's like we're gonna you're gonna do tennis not boy scouts there's no point in keeping the boy scouts yeah i was not happy when that happened because i really liked it but i see now why she did it (laughs) boy scouts is where i learned that you can't just say jew and everyone's gonna be okay with it let me tell you why yeah, um, please. It was an important lesson at the time. So we had to do this. I don't, still, I would. <laughs> yes, I still like, think about this all the time. This is why I don't really right. scream Jew when I'm walking around. Other this days, is the reason why this, you don't this, scream this, Jew. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, if I hadn't learned this, maybe I would still be yelling out Jew all maybe. the time. Uh, <laughs> good thing you learned. <laughs> that it. is the most I've said it in a while. Yeah. It felt felt good. Yeah. Um, I, so we had to like write. I don't remember what the assignment was, but I had my grandpa help me write something. And my grandpa at the time was in his 80s. Mm. No, he was in his, like, 70s, sorry. Does he say Jew a lot? Well, he did when he helped me write this. <laughs> okay. We were talking about, like, uh, something about hardworking. And in it, he... <laughs> so I'm, like, giving this speech, something my grandfather helped me write. And I was like, yeah, and we're hardworking like the Jews. And then I went to the mall or whatever. And it just, like, kind of said it. And I remember looking at everyone and, like, and their were, like, eyes were like, yeah, you shouldn't. Say Jew. But yeah, now I know not to say Jew. Boy Scout was a good time. I wasn't in there for that long. <laughs> There's a learn an important lesson. But... I might have been kicked out after that day because my Boy Scout memories end after that incident. <laughs> you might have been kicked I out. I might have been kicked I should check. <laughs> you should check. Was I kicked out of Boy Scout? I was like, oh yeah, you said Jew a lot. <laughs> my parents distinctly <laughs> remember. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we wanted to keep you in. They were like, get this Jew hater out. Um, you know what's interesting though is Jew isn't a bad word. There are Jews around. It's just how you say it, what yeah, you mean. It's like the stank on it. Yeah, I think that some comedian had a joke about that. I think it was Louis C.K. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I wanted to ask you a question. Oh, okay. About that. Um, not even specifically about that, but okay. like, um, and I think I'll just ask it. Um, do you agree with him? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh no. my Christ! <laughs> like, no. so, so, like, uh. Like I was a, I'm a, I was a big fan of his stand-up. I didn't know a lot of the like, I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the question I have is like, his stand-up said like truthful stuff, and there's funny things, and I just like, I mean, as we're both in the comedy world, mm-hmm. there are just like things in his way. His thought process was like, um, pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And then he also did all this was disgusting and like masturbate in front of women, yeah. and so it's like, uh, it's weird to say that some of his comedy was like. Like, I don't know, influential or whatever, and it was, but, like, how do you wrap your head around both of those things? I mean, I think, at least I think the answer to me is, like, um, I don't know, like, can you separate, this is even, this is a question, I guess, can you separate those two things? Because, uh, like, we're all, I don't even, is the... there's stuff in his comedy that I think is really good, and there's, like, funny jokes that are in my head that are some of the funniest jokes I've ever heard mm-hmm. in my life. Kind of like that Jew thing, which is, like, a real, like the Jew, about the Jewish people. <laughs> that Jew thing? That Jew thing? I guess I forgot that I wasn't supposed to say it. Like, <laughs> that one, or he has, like, this, like, really clever 9-11 joke, and, but that's also, like, but now all of those things have... Have a different connotation yeah. with him. And it's, like, so how, what, what the fuck yeah. do you do, like... I I think you can be a great comedian and a bad person yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Um, do I respect him as a comedian? Yes, because I know he worked his ass off and have been has been doing comedy for a long time and has been doing it in a way to improve on it. So as a comedian, as an artist, as a craftsman, which is the way I look at improv and comedy, I respect him a lot for his work ethic and dedication to his craft. As a person for doing that shit, that's fucking disgusting yeah yeah, yeah. I, think, I don't need you to make yeah i wasn't even trying to have you make a stance and put you in like yeah. a weird position it was just more the question of like so anyone like um i guess in a sort of larger scale right like these people we potentially look up to that have like these fucked up things in their life um like where how do you like, I think, balance that right like because there's so many great people that have done like that also have these funky ass past to varying degrees like yeah. for example like michael jordan had like a huge gambling problem and cheated on his wife a lot mm-hmm. and also was the greatest basketball player that ever lived and obviously that's not on the same sort of gross scale that louis ck was but it's like 
can you still take stuff from what they've done even though you know that they're like bad people i i would say yes i what i believe is that you can be like i said you can be a great comedian and a bad person yeah did i think a big lesson i learned from louis ck is work on your craft in an intelligent way that will improve it so i'm like i'm gonna take that lesson and apply it to improv and comedy i'm gonna work in my craft in a way that will improve it work on skills work on whatever and like do it so that you'll get better at it don't do it to be great do it so you'll get better and I think that's a good that's a good thing to take. Yeah. Um, and obviously he wasn't the only one, and he's not the only person that had that like tactic. Clearly, yeah. everyone, every like not everyone, but there's many other yes. artists that also have that yes. as well. It's just so strange. It's like, um, and I mean, I guess the that whole like um, was it kill your masters? Like you never want to meet your idols. It's like if you start to idolize someone, like you have to be careful because. Mm-hmm. Eh, everybody's flawed to mm-hmm. different degrees and like not to justify what he did but it's like when you start to build people up too much like I don't want to ever I don't want to ever get into a position like the closest I think I get into that position is like I love Kanye so much yeah that like um, I want to be like sometimes when I start to talk about him with people people who are like I fucking hate him I get I get like defensive, find myself or... getting real defensive because I like fucking love him but I can I that's like uh, and it's also just music and whatever but like yeah. I can that's like the instinct I think is I can see that happening with anyone like mm-hmm. you can love someone so much that you can defend them through their like flaws mm-hmm. and that is problematic yeah I think I also think Kanye is the greatest yeah I, I'm probably that way with Robin Williams um, where I would I would defend most choices he made just because yeah. I'm in love with him that's probably the closest thing that I can relate to. Um, it is, I feel like it is hard. I, I, I try and remind myself that, like, even like whether the people are bad people or good people, like, oh, what do you think about Taylor Swift? I'm like, I've never met her, which sounds like a douchey thing to say. Like, I've never met her. I don't know. Who's asking you, what do you think about Taylor Swift? Too many people, dude. Why did they give a fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But if, it's, if they're talking about Taylor Swift, like, Miles, what do you think about Taylor Swift? I'm like, I've never met her. Which sounds douchey. But, like, if they would take that approach to, like, people, whether they're good or bad, like, what do you think about Hitler? Like, I've never met him. <laughs> Who people, do you hang out with that is asking you in the same sentence about dude, Taylor Swift and also... I don't know why, but everyone wants to know what I feel about Taylor Swift and Hitler. And they keep asking me. And I keep giving the same answer. I've never met him. <laughs> but I think that's the, that's the attitude I, I try and have yeah. about about people anyone i don't know whether they're someone in the improv community that someone thinks is good or bad or yeah. someone super famous like even rob williams i have to remind myself like you you never met him and you never will yeah but yeah, yeah. he probably had some flaws whatever and you can't just love him because you because you don't know sure or hey you know what as he said that i think about you know like uh, when couples or group of people say like we don't like that person mm-hmm. that I hate that sentence because it like yeah. I, I don't know if this is like of my own fear of like entering into a relationship and then losing who I am as a person which I don't know if that's even like mm-hmm. a, I think that might just be a crazy thought but like hearing that phrase I hate mm-hmm. so much because it's just it sounds so weird like if you and I hung out and then you're like yeah we don't like this comedian it's like hey wait a minute man maybe I do maybe like, I do it and just that's seems fine. it's so stir- I don't know what what it is about that mm-hmm. sentence that makes me just like 
fucking cringe. Yeah, I think w- one of my only pet peeves is like mob mentality. I remember like being in a fraternity. I feel like that happened way too often. It was like just you know like douchey like chanting like yeah drink drink drink. That's mob mentality. If like people just jump on just because they want to fit in, yeah, then you're not thinking for yourself. And I uh, this is gonna sound like it. Another douchey thing to say. But Maybe I, you just are a douche. Have you ever considered that? If you keep, I've saying, got, I consider that far too often. Well, let's, I probably let's, 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 let's consider that strongly. <laughs> I want to re-listen to that. Yeah, well, he said 15, <laughs> he says he said fifteen he said douche he's things. Probably douche things. My limit is if you say more than fifteen douche things, you're a douche. What am I at? Uh, I haven't been keeping count. All right, we'll say I'm at zero then. I would say okay. Let's, let's end <laughs> starting now. Starting now. <laughs> um, douche one. <laughs> douche. Douche. Douche one. Here we go. Uh, but I. I I feel like at least a couple times I can remember myself purposely like going against what was being said because it just bothered me that everyone was jumping on this thing Mm -hmm. that whether it was, I don't know what it was, but just because there was a mob mentality, even if it was maybe good, just because there was a mob mentality, I'm like, I don't like, I don't like that we're all in agreement on this just for the sake of being in agreement. Yeah. Especially, you know, like, um, especially if it doesn't feel, like, natural to you. Like, you were, you, I think, like, I mean, obviously I can't tell you, but it sounds like because you thought, like, you know what, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't fit with whatever I feel, so I'm going to go against it. The, like, if, well, I guess what I mean is because it was something that didn't fit with your core, you were able to kind of be able to go against the grain. But mm-hmm. if you either don't have, like, solid feelings on it or you just... It can be easy to get like sort of pushed Pushing under it. and like peer pressured. I think if you don't have like a certain sort of like understanding of self, mm-hmm. I guess. Like I was a, I mean, I think I'm doing a little better job now of sort of really starting to be like, do you know what you want to do? Like, mm-hmm. is this you wanting to do it? Is it other people telling you you want to do it? And Why do you think you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was just reading a Kurt Vonnegut book, um, and one of the things he talked about it's uh, this book of his called uh, breakfast of champions so, like in the beginning he he's just sort of like whatever little preface and he says like i'm writing this book to get the junk out of my head and as i was and i was thinking it was like we have like we each have our own like our life is sort of this big gigantic puzzle that we're trying to put together right mm-hmm. and you have all the pieces like you are that bag of all the pieces mm-hmm. but also people keep trying to throw like their pieces into your bag and you try to like fit that into your larger puzzle shape, mm-hmm. but you can't because it's not your it's piece. Not your piece. And that's like, I think what a lot of it is. And I don't know if that, like you kind of, I mean, I think it, you have to sort of start to understand what it is that you really want. Mm-hmm. And like those pieces you have in you before you can like figure out like, well, this is not my piece. Like this thought doesn't make sense to me. Like, yeah. And I think if any, to use your metaphor, cause I like that metaphor a lot. If someone does throw a piece in your puzzle, you have to like maybe grab it and see like, Hmm, do I have this piece? And then look inside yourself like, oh, I do have this piece. Like, whatever they throw at you, like, you don't take any of the pieces, but you then, like, check them. Like, do I have this piece? Do, does this piece fit in my puzzle? And then, like, oh, yeah, I do have this piece. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Or, like, no. It, no, I don't. That's been, like, a fairly new thing. Like, just, like, I think over the last few years, really starting to understand, like, what it is that, like, vibes with me and mm-hmm. what it is that doesn't vibe with me and being able to kind of like actually catch that piece as opposed to before like i'm a big i'm a pretty big like peer pressure person it's it's weak kind of to <laughs> some degree like it's just like all right fuck it whatever i'll just do this shit and now i'm finally like 
let's stop and let me assess what we have here. And yeah. you know what? I have this piece already, so thank you. I don't need it anymore. Yeah. Goodbye. And like, but it's, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing. I think it's because I'm also about to turn 30. So it, what? Think, what? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little bit of you spend your 20s. Um, it feels like you spend your 20s like trying to trying to show people that you have it all figured out. And then you get to 30 and you're like, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. Let's start figuring it out. Hell yeah. I've learned, I think I've come to understand that everybody's a fucking liar. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't know. Like, we're, either they're a liar or they don't, or they've like given up. Because I think if you were true with yourself, like, you I don't know if you ever have anything figured out. You have most of the answers. You have some of the answers, mm-hmm. but you kind of keep like, like I've seen my parents and they're like my dad's in his sixties and my mom's in her like fifties, like still adjust and make changes and still be uncertain about things. And it's like good, mm-hmm. like you you have you don't have the answers you want to adjust. Like my dad, um, like raised in this like traditional Indian household, so like both of my parents worked. But my dad like didn't do a lot of the home stuff, mm-hmm. and then he retired. or sort of got forced retired, and um, he is like doing a lot of the. He's doing stuff at home now that he had never done before, uh-huh. and it's really cool to see that because he was not like vacuuming and doing his laundry and shit, and now yeah. he does those things, and it's like, all right, cool. fucking hey, man, you can be a sixty year old man like like the, the 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 old. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like I don't believe in that shit at yeah. all. I get really mad. You should always be learning. Fuck yeah, man! I hate that shit. Like I and any time like and it's I think like anything that sounds like, well, this is just the way it is. I just I like reject it because mm-hmm. I just like a no man yeah. like there always is a new way and a new thing you should be learning yeah I think that's that's a big thing that I've had in the past year is like going back to like figuring it out I think to like in the past year I've I've figured out that I want to figure out and like then figuring out what things you want to figure out like finding pieces of your life like I would like to be here I'm not there. How do we get there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just step by step, like, if you can see the end, eh, I don't like that term, but if you can see the end and you can see where you are, just fill in the middle based on what you know now. Check in every once in a while to see that you're on your way there and that you still want that. Yeah. And then I think that's, I think that's an exciting place to be and it's an exciting um, idea to have in our minds, especially so young, if that's our idea of if you're always learning we're super young in that to see where you are now and where you want to be and then feeling like you have the next 60 years to try and figure that out that's exciting yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i call in my own head i have my nickname for you is the hardest working man in showbiz really yeah that feels very good man thank you yeah i don't know whose like actual title it is in real life but to me in the like in the world of improv Oh, that's where we met. I don't know if we ever said we met doing improv, yeah. but like, um, yeah, like in the world of improv, like, I mean, obviously everyone's like, well, I mean, not everyone's working hard, but like people are doing stuff, but like of all that, um, uh, the like drive that I see you have with this stuff and all the other things that you're trying to do with an improv and, um, like, I, I don't think that there are many people that, um, like have that same drive and it's really cool to know someone who is driven like that mm-hmm. because like it's pretty infectious to be around people like that Thank um you, and so like you're welcome 
Um, so like uh, I'm in the gentleman sandbox with mm-hmm. with you, which is like you know I describe it as I describe it as a comedy conglomerate. That's or I don't even yeah like it's just like basically like what I try to tell people what the gentleman sandbox is. I'm like these guys are trying to start a community of or they're like trying to create a comedy community that is like multifaceted and does like everything. And so regardless of what my role in that is or isn't or what or is like I want to be a part of that wave however much or a lot or little but like um I feel like that desire you have mm-hmm. is it's like sort of undeniable and won't be uh it, I don't think it can be squashed like mm-hmm. clearly and I'm sure you've already run into it like there are going to be failures and there are going to Definitely. be successes but like the drive that you have seems to like a, a failure won't squash it it'll just take you a few steps back and it's like all right now how do we adjust and move it's been interesting um as you hear a lot of like successful people talk about you have to love to fail and i don't know if i love to fail yet but it has seemed like looking back if you like look back a couple steps it does seem like every failure or every big failure that I, i have in my mind was more of a spur than a stop um like when I didn't get things, it was like, oh, I, I took it as I. I feel like I, I'm very mean to myself. Not like I don't put myself down, but it's like if I didn't get something, I just take it as like, oh, you're not good enough. Let's get better, and then it may come if we still want that. Um, I also, I also like we talked about earlier. I every time I like. I try and daydream at least once a week of like just about myself, total selfish. Like, what do I want? What can I achieve? What do I want out of this? And I still like, and every time I daydream, I'm like, you know, I, I really enjoy this. I really would like to do this in some aspect for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's exciting because like before, we're we're still early. We're in that develop. I feel like I'm still in my development phase. There's so much I need to get better at to work at to be what I would eventually want to be so I feel like I'm very early in what I want to do and I'm still like you still got to be doing stuff to getting better you're just I'm not here to be I'm not doing any of this to be great yet I'm doing this to get better to get good yeah I it's uh, I remember when I first started doing improv you're also very good that's oh, why oh, thank that's you. why I like to keep you close <laughs> thank you so much. that sounded bad but you moved real close to me when you said it too i just i want it's genuine i want yeah. you to know that <laughs> and i felt the right reason. I, felt, so. I felt like i need to oh i need to give you a compliment because you deserve it you're very good that's very nice and that's why i want to i that's why i keep attacking you <laughs> <laughs> that's very sweet thank you uh, i remember a uh co-worker when i like first started doing improv asking me he was like oh so you do this um, because he wanted to meet chicks, right? And I was like, no. no. I mean, awesome. Does that happen? Uh, do you, do I meet women from shows? Often? I have met women after a show a few times. Okay. Not like all the time. I've also yeah. hooked up with like I, other improvisers I have as well. Because well. you're sort of deep in the yeah. community. Um, actually, one of the shows we did, one of the runs we had... I got two phone numbers in one night. What? I don't know if I told you this. I think you know some of the story. Okay, Probably. so during the February... So we had this run of shows Is it, in it February. Was it this past February? 
It was this past February. Man, dude, I was so thinking, long ago, dude. It feels like forever ago. Yeah. It was this year. So we did this show Jesus. in February on Tuesdays, and we would wear diapers while we performed because we were Baby Bjorn Identity. Yes. And you had a bunch of people come out to that show. Like, a bunch of your coworkers came out. Oh, yeah. And so after the show, we went and we... Um, were, was that like we had a good show, didn't we? We had such a good we show. We had a very good it show. It was one it's still one of the best shows I've that ever been. It might a part be of. the best show I've ever had. <laughs> Dude, it was awesome. Um, I remember leaving just being like, fuck yeah, that felt so good. Yeah. That run, I think we've talked about it before, but like that run was like the best was sort very... of stint of just like people on stage really vibing yeah. really well and just like I think that also like plays a big role in it. Like I don't even really remember much of the stuff we did on stage and mm-hmm. the specifics, but just like the feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. felt so good that like I don't know, it's just I want that feeling yeah. all the time after a show. And oh, it's yeah. like we have that fucking every week regardless of if no one came. There was one show where two people came. Yeah, and but we put on a great show. It was probably. awesome. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that didn't like. I guess the amount of people doesn't change shit anyways. Yeah. But just like it was felt so fucking good. So after one of those shows, we all went out drinking with like the teams that opened up for us. And I'm sitting at this table of like a few people I didn't really know. One of the women had performed, and the other one was their friend. And one is sitting across from me, and one is sitting to the left of me. At the end of the night, I had gotten both of their telephone numbers. Wow. Um, I'd never ever gotten two phone numbers in one night. From the, but based, after a good show, you will. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. And and then, so like I, uh, that week later, I texted one of the girls, uh, one of the women, and um, I texted her on like a Tuesday, and I was like, hey, what are you doing Wednesday? Do you want to grab a drink? She said, sure. In the morning, I didn't feel very good, so I texted her, and I said, hey, I'm sorry, I have to cancel. And then I texted the other girl. Oh, I do. <laughs> I know both of them. I know <laughs> I both of them. The <laughs> other girl, and I said, what are you doing next Wednesday? Because I wanted to just sort of plan for the future. Oh, as, a, as a single person, you got to fucking have things sort of like set up in the future yeah, you yeah. got to plan for mile yeah, fucking yeah. 20 oh, when you're in God. a marathon right? i know the rest of the story yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. and then she said are you gonna cancel on me like you did my roommate these two women were Ooh. roommates and they knew <laughs> that they had i would canceled on one the day before and i responded with ha you caught me oh that was man. not the right response you know probably what? not yeah i realized in my head that that is a point where like if this was a porn if my life was a porn, the next scene in the porn would have been me and both of them, both of them having sex with each other. Yeah. But it's it was real life and it was awkward. And then <laughs> real I real life is never porn. Real life is never porn. <laughs> yeah. Maybe once in my life it's been close. Yeah. Not mine. Real life is seeing those same two ladies at a show a few months later and not even acknowledging that they were there looking at them was it this show that yep. we did at the music at the at the yeah, yeah, recording yeah, yeah, yeah. studio yeah saw um, them again didn't even fucking acknowledge them so that's um, real life oh my god which is better um, i don't know i don't know if this will make you feel better but one of them lives in oregon now <laughs> i don't i don't know yeah sure I don't know, just information i'll never can, accidentally run into you can her. take that however you want but she lives in oregon and the other one, I think, is still in Chicago. Good. I will text around. the one that's here and say, hey, so now that your roommate's gone, let's <laughs> let's redo this. There you go. Let's retry <laughs> this. Now I'm all in. <laughs> the reason I said that story was, so sometimes I meet women after shows. Okay. It doesn't happen all the time. The reason I got into improv um, was on like a way more pure um, intention, which was like, um, I went on a date with this lady, and she asked me, like, if I wasn't doing improv, what would I be doing? Um, and I told her, like, you know that feeling when you're hungry but you don't know what you want to eat 
I think that's the feeling I would have had in my body if I wasn't doing improv. Because like the first time I ever did improv, it felt like I didn't know that it was missing. But when I did it for the first time, like, it felt oh. like, oh, this is that puzzle piece that I was missing that my heart needed. Yeah. Um, so like I went into it with such like pure intentions, and mm-hmm. like I think that leads. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, for me, I don't care what happens either. Like I just want to keep getting better at it and i'm like clearly not trying yeah. to look for fame it just like feels so fucking right that i also want to do it i think for the end of until the end of my yeah, life the it feels so good to just do and it feels even better the better you're good at it so why wouldn't you want to improve to improve the feeling yeah which i think is the, a perfect way to go about it yeah um my my intro to improv story is oh, yeah, i like this story uh, i don't i don't like i don't like the way i got in i got into improv but my attitude about improv, I think, is right. I I went and saw an improv show um, almost four years ago now. No, more than four years ago now. And uh, saw someone in the show. And then my buddy afterwards, who was in the show, said like, Oh, hey, so-and-so takes classes at Second City. And I remember thinking like, huh, I could do that. Which is, again, douchey. I'm at two now. <laughs> what is that? I'm at I'm, two I have 15, something... Has happened the way I mean, you li- the I way mean, you listened to my story was real douche. What? So, sorry. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, but I remember thinking like, oh, we could do that. So then me and my buddy decided to start taking class at Second City, and I remember as I was going through it, like, oh yeah, this feels good. I really like it. And now I'm so preachy about improv. I think it improves so many aspects of your life that I can't imagine not doing it. And it's yeah. Can you backtrack a little bit? Yeah. Um, you used to drive from Michigan to Chicago, right? Yeah. In 2014, um, my improv birth is January 6th, 2014. It's coming up soon. Yeah. I took my first improv class 2014, January 6th. Um, my now roommate and best friend, Jordan, he was the guy in that Michael? improv show. Hmm? Michael? Jordan Michael? Michael Jordan? <laughs> no. Jordan Cantola, uh, he he was in that. So you don't show. you don't live with the basketball player Michael Jordan? Not anymore. No, he used to. Yeah, he got too big. Tries to always dunk on you when you're trying. I know it pisses me off, yeah, dude. He's an asshole. Like I'm five nine. <laughs> you're gonna win. You're the greatest player. To ever greatest basketball player. Player. Why, what am I gonna do? Why do you have roommates? <laughs> Get a house, dude. <laughs> Get a fucking house, Michael Jordan. You were in Space Jam. He was in Space Jam. Michael Jordan was in Space Jam. That's a great movie. It's on Hulu. Really? Mm-hmm. I gotta watch that. That's what's on. So I think I'm gonna movie. show that movie to my cousin's children. Like I didn't know it was on Hulu, but I, it is on. Oh Hulu. yeah, that's a movie that like people need to see. That's a fun movie. Yeah, don't worry about documentaries that teach you about life and stuff. No. <laughs> and Space the ills of Jam. Earth. Yeah, watch Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Overcoming great odds. Space Jam. Uh, but yeah, Jordan and I decided to start taking improv classes. So throughout 2014. Every Sunday, we would drive from Muskegon to Chicago. Um, it's about a three-hour drive. And uh, we would take classes every Sunday. And it was, um, you know how the people always say, like, whatever you're going through now, you'll look back and say, like, oh, those are the good days. Though I think of those times so fondly. Spending three hours just talking to Jordan, hanging out. I slept a lot. I didn't like to drive. <laughs> we would drive. I would sleep. And then we'd go to improv class and then, like, talk about it the whole way back. I think that's where most of my... Because I think Jordan and I both got good quickly 
because we would talk about improv on the way to class, improvise in class, and then talk about improv on the way back from class. So every like every week for almost a year, we were improvising and breaking it down, and we were both so in love with it that throughout the week, we would meet up and do two prov just in his basement, no audience, just like trying to get it, work on the lessons, talk about it, do it, go to class Sunday, talk about it, do it, talk about it, just doing it all the time. And a couple months into that, got into a short form group in Grand Rapids, so we were doing improv we had improv rehearsal there, improv rehearsal on Sundays at Second City. We would be talking about it there, back. There was just, I think it's the discussion and breakdown of the lessons that we understood so much deeper because we were talking about it so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't know you guys would like chat about it. I mean, I guess yeah. it kind of makes sense, but I didn't realize it was like, I've always felt like you're like uh, one of the most like improv obsessed people i've ever met in a very good way yeah. like i mean as you just even described it like talked about it on the way there did yeah. improv talked about it on the way back it's, like i don't know i remember being very obsessed with like obsessed with like improv theory um joran gargulo my current teacher at cic theater uh on irving park in chicago illinois um and my level three teacher at io theater in chicago illinois <laughs> um i he's one of my favorite teachers in chicago He's excellent. He has this podcast called um, the Department of per- the Department of Promethean Science, where he talks. He improvises with someone, and it's always so good, so funny, so hilarious. And then like talks improv theory with them afterwards. And I remember listening to that. Um, I discovered that after I moved to Chicago and had Joran um, before I had Joran the first time. And I remember listening to that as I was like the first year I lived in Chicago. I was still driving. I was driving back to Michigan to finish college, um, two times a week. So you're living in Chicago, doing yeah. improv, driving back to Michigan, finishing to, college, yes, and then driving back. Yes, um, I've only like exclusively exclusive, exclusively lived in Chicago for like a year and a half. So like, kind of when I met you, I guess I might. Have, I think I remember like you had, if I remember correctly, you had because we met like probably about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I I, I technically graduated college. A year ago. Oh. Technically in December I got my degree. I was done with classes like at the end of last year, August. Yeah, because we met like in October probably. I yeah. Think, whenever that co-op was. Yeah. October, November. So, so you shit. met me like a month or two into finally being in Chicago. Damn. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but in that first year when I was driving back and forth, I was in the car a lot and I remember I was taking IO classes at the same time. So I was taking IO classes, driving back and forth to Michigan, um, and working wherever I could in Chicago. Uh, and I, I remember listening to his podcast and it was so good. Just improv theory. He's got this great, um, he, he's adjusted a little bit since, but he has this, um, great, I don't want to say theory again, but it was great idea of like types of improvisers and how you can maybe fill out a show. And, uh, it's related to like basketball, players like positions um like whether you're a center power forward small forward shooting guard or point guard and he kind of describes those pieces in a basketball team and also those pieces on an improv team sure and it's very it's a very cool idea and i think since talking to him in cic now he's like you know you can fill different 
things at different times. Like the point guard doesn't always have to play point guard. The point guard can play shooting guard or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. and just because you maybe naturally play as a point guard doesn't mean you can't. You couldn't also be a shooting shooting guard or center or different things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just because you're maybe one type of improviser doesn't mean you couldn't get muscles for a different sure. thing. I mean, that kind of goes back to like the sort of willingness to like be open to learning more mm-hmm. and accepting the fact that you aren't like complete yet and you can still become a better improviser. And yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's an interesting... Is that, do you use that like when you um, start to feel in a rut? Like, I don't know, or maybe if you ever have felt in a rut when it comes to like improv and sort Definitely. of the stuff you've been doing, do you try to like think like oh i've been playing like a point guard maybe i should learn how to fucking play like a i two think guards. when i'm when i'm in a rut i do one of two things one of them i don't like the first the one the thing i don't like that i think i do sometimes is i'll go back to what's comfortable which is way back when i used to do characters a lot so i'll just jump into an accent or a character which feels like a fallback um because it usually like, people will laugh at that and i always I get down on myself when I'll just fall back to that and do it. Yeah, because it feels like, um, yeah, it's weird because I get that too sometimes. Where like I'll do something and like I'm not really feeling it, but I it gets a laugh. You yeah. like there's a part of you that sort of knows like, all right, like, I I'm, I'm better than this. Yeah, yeah. So even I'll, if it still works, I'll do either that or I'll do which I think is the right thing is where I'll just like I'll be creepy as fuck and I'll stare at my partner because the first lesson I learned is like listen. And there's a reason they teach that so early is because it's so important. Just listen, and I'll just stare at my partner and listen to every fucking word they say and just, like, respond to it. And, like, I have this weird thing that I've recently realized happens to me. I can, like, if I'm very focused on, like, a thing, I won't blink. I thought you were going to say you can make things move. (laughs) (laughs) I realized that when I stare at a spoon for a really long time, it bends. I'll do that in a show, and it always gets a laugh. Um, I forgot, I didn't even hear what you just said. I was thinking about you bending spoons. That's fine. I just said, yeah, I stared at spoon and bends. And I always get a laugh. So <laughs> um, oh, what was I going to say? You stare, you realize when you stare at people, you... I, I didn't know that I could do this, but like, I'm in my, I'm my acting class, we'll do repetition and like, you'll just like, look at someone and listen and repeat and then people will like, halfway through be like, you're not blinking. I'm like, I'm not blinking. I'm not blinking. So, I, I have this weird ability where if I get into something i won't blink so if i'm in an improv scene i'll start like and i feel like i'm in a rut i'll just stare at someone and then they'll probably be put off but i'm just so into it and then i it's happened at work a couple times too where i'm just like i just want to finish this get out and i'll just like get so into it i just won't blink i'll just stare at it get it done that's strange are your eyes really dry because of that probably my eyes are pretty dry i stared at a computer all day same that's Half, half a day now Oh yeah, you just like reduced your. Uh, I did. As I, I shouldn't have given you the hardest working man in show business, and you lazy piece of shit. Sorry, man. Quit your work. Half day of work, huh? Half day of work. I'm part time now, and the, the goal with that is to spend more time, on, planning, like producing, writing, improvising, um, just, because I, did feel so, run ragged the past year of doing so much and working like a, a minimum of nine hours a day at my job yeah 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 it's like I if I want to do this I want to spend more time on it so let's just give myself like during the day to I've put working out on my plate now so now I work out which um, feels very good and I think I have this idea that my quality of improv is a little bit 
dependent on my mood and confidence. I think that that's, I have a very similar, like, yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. So I, so I'm like working out to like improve my mood, improve my confidence. And I think that will, like, it's so probably fucked up how much I will do now to increase my ability to improvise. Like I, I stopped drinking because I think it improves my ability to improvise. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I think like, yeah, that I, I, I have a very similar instinct. Um, it doesn't. I guess it. I don't. I don't even know. Like, I. I don't. I haven't gone to that extra. I haven't done yeah. to the level that you. You have don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm gonna change my life now because of how you live. No, I feel, don't. I feel bad about no. every beer no, I've ever so had. You're so good. And you're so. You're <laughs> such a good boy. Don't. Okay, don't you, change. Don't you. change for me. But like that. That it is. It is interesting. Like I'll go into a show and it, you know what I'll do sometimes. Like if I know I'm feeling kind of fucked up, I'll start to do shit to trick myself. Like I'll listen to music. And like start to dance, yeah. To like shake myself, um, or try to like get into conversations with uh, people before a show that start to make me feel silly if I am feeling kind of dragged yeah. down. What I have been doing is um, going to the gym before shows if I can, just to like. Um, I find like if I'm able to going to the gym or running kind of like resets my day. So like if I'm if I've had just kind of like a weird day, the gym kind of like puts like a stop a zero. like yeah, like that yes, exactly. It puts a zero and now I'm restarting and I now have I'm in control of like creating what my new mood nice. is going to be. I like that thought a lot. It helped, dude. I was like taking this test. Uh, I was studying for this test one summer a few years ago, and like I just basically I would go to work, come home around five, and then I had to study for like a, uh, like two hours every night. And I was trying to just go straight into it, and it just like my brain was fucking beat up from work, and it was just yeah. tired, and it's like it was hard to reset. So I, that's how kind of how I started running, and that run like it. I don't even run that far. I try to just like run a mile, so it's uh-huh. like fifteen minutes just to like be outside, and then it also included shower and like. Yeah coming down and eating dinner and then like and then the, and then zero yeah and it, but it like helps so much yeah to the point though that uh i can be i'm i can be kind of superstitious when it comes to shows i think maybe we talked about that like mm-hmm. i don't wear a watch when i'm performing i don't i, have, I don't put anything in my pocket yeah so i don't thing. use the I, I don't ever put a key in my loop uh or like the hook or whatever yeah um, but like it got to the point where like I had some family in town a few months ago, and they were like, we're going to come to your show. Do you want to hang out before? I was like, I can't. I got to go to the gym, and then I got to shower, and I'll meet you there. And I like thought, and I was like, okay, that That probably sounds insane. Insane. So then I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's just go and grab dinner. And in, a, there, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to have a terrible show, uh, and these stupid people are going to fuck but, me up. And then it was fine, and it's nice to be like, okay, that, you're yeah. allowed to do one thing or yeah, the other. Yeah. It doesn't have to. Like, I just, yeah, it's just there's so much. I mean, it's like. I don't know, it's not really in my control a lot of the time, so I feel like the superstition helps me. I think part of it is just kind of puts me in the right mind state. Yeah. A little bit. Puts you in a... I think it puts me in the mind, like, a lot of... Like, I have nothing in my pockets because it's, like, a symbol for me of, like, you have everything you need Mm. in your head. Mm. So I'm like, let's get rid of your phone, your keys, you have everything you need without that. So it's kind of, like, by getting rid of stuff in my pockets, I reinforce that thought to myself, like, you have everything you need in your head. So reinforcing that that and then i really like the like restart at zero idea i might start trying to do that or like talking to people and being play playful and silly because yeah. i think saying two important things that i would love to have before a show is like one you have everything you need in your head two you are playful as fuck you're a go play this is your this yeah. is your sandbox go 
go make whatever go have fun with these people hell yeah go enjoy their company and have them enjoy yours so if there's a way to add another superstition onto what i do to increase that idea it helps I'd a be lot interested in. dude absolutely i mean it actually used to be like you have to drink a beer you isn't me like yeah. i have to drink a beer before i go do a show yeah um and i didn't realize at the time that beer at the bar included conversations with people most yeah. of the time and that was really what was loosening me up it wasn't the like actual beer there was i don't know if i told you there was like a stretch where i like thought i really in my head was like if you don't have a beer before a show it'll be bad you're gonna do bad Jeez. it was to a point dude where like uh so it started off when i first started taking classes um I would like once I had a beer. I had a little bit of time in between like work and class, where I like had a beer with dinner, and the class went like really well. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Cool, let's just try that again." And then like yeah. I did it again, and then I was like, "Okay, now I need to always have a beer before class." And yeah. then there were times like I would take the bus to rehearsal, dude, and I would put booze in a in a sprite like twenty ounce, and then drink that shit before you got to class, so that you would have that. yes on the Man. bus secretly. It was ridiculous, dude. Man. I just like built that shit up in my head. Like you have to do this to to make it, and then eventually, like I mean, just got retracted. Now it's like, all right, you're fucking fine. Yeah, you can yeah. just do whatever. I think. Uh, I mean, there's there's some of that as like it will loosen you up. Yeah, it will. Um, I've always like I've done I've done improv, drunk and high, and drunk is very fun but very bad. Yeah, high is <laughs> very very hard very <laughs> deep it's and everything takes so long you're just like oh man that's funny so that that i would not do again um drunk every once in a while i don't drink anymore but i remember that like that's fine it's fun but i remember not paying attention to shit i just remember feeling like pretty chill yeah but it's just you're not you're not responding as well. There was a kid who, when I was doing this midnight show, would be drunk before most. And we were, I mean, we were like, this this dude would come in hammered, but he would be awesome. He yeah. was so good. He was already like a better improviser than me. Uh-huh. And then he would like would give himself a handicap of being hammered and then also be amazing still. Yeah. I was like, this motherfucker, man, bullshit ass. But yeah, like, I mean, I just, I definitely find that my best shows are when I'm like, I mean, obviously, like. I think partially, when I first started doing it, like, it was pretty loosey-goosey. Like, mm-hmm. I was just, like, I took classes for a year, and then eventually, when I stopped being scared, I started doing shows. And the early on, it was like, oh, this is really fun. And then, like, it still is really fun now, but, like, as we were saying, like, really starting to kind of build on a craft. And, like, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it is still, I want it to be fun forever. Like, I don't want it to ever lose that, because yeah. that's what draws me to it. Um, but understanding like this is a craft that i can improve myself on and sharpen those skills and want to sharpen those skills and like being drunk for me doesn't help that because i can't listen really i don't even care i'm in my own mind like thinking yeah this is fun yeah 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 yeah. and i'm sure it's like a fun thing to watch but ultimately like good improv is i guess however you can get there it's better than just drunk people being dumb on stuff i think just uh being able to two of the best muscles um, I think for improv are being able to build things which you would need to be is better if you're sober to build with others and also playfulness which I I feel like whenever I'm in like improv valley that's what I'm lacking most is because maybe I'm taking it too seriously or I'm out of it so there's like not enough play or yeah. exploration so that's what 
that's what I'm trying to get myself back to is like let's find I mean find the play more in what you're doing yeah 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 that's really interesting I like that that's a nice it's and like yeah, so how how fun is it that what we are passionate about and what we do like you have to you don't play enough how it's, how fun is that that that's a criticism it's wild when I think about like at its core improv as adults just like straight up playing pretend yeah it's an amazing cause like it's just one of those I feel like you're like as an adult you kind of fall into this like rhythm of what you do and we improv is this outlet where you get to straight up just like it will always be different it will always be not routine yeah like it's um uh and it'll always be that moment instead of like the past or the future it's a very beautiful uh, you know actually it's kind of interesting that like not more I don't know why it's I mean not not seems like it should be talked about more and it should be done in more avenues of everything. So, like, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to start a class where I teach improv. To, I think I may have told you, right? I want to you teach did, improv yeah. to, like, uh, pharmacy students. But, uh-huh. like, it, I think the, the skills that are in improv can be used in, like, literally almost... It can be used in every avenue of yeah. life. Like, there's so many. Obviously, you don't have to be... The skills don't have to be only comedy based. The skills are yeah. the skills, especially the foundational skills. Yeah, like listening, listening so intently and not. I think my first big breakthrough in improv was like listening, like listen so much that you're not thinking of what you're gonna say next. Is like the first thing. Like, oh, that's all improv is. You're just listening so intently that you don't have time to think about what you're gonna say next. Yeah, and I think just that, like listening to someone what they say before you decide what you're going to say so that you're not listening to one thing they said formulating what you're going to say as they're still speaking mm-hmm. you're just listening they said that and then it's okay to take a second and be like now what do I think after they've said that yeah and it's uh, it's like the place where I'm actually like I guess it's I do sometimes struggle bringing that out into real life yeah because um, for some reason like my mind is so quiet on stage for the most part and like I do follow that flow and like uh, I, I guess I'm still struggling and I, I think it has improved my listening in the outside world as well and that sort sure. of trying to sort of improve that more but like it is cool to be in that space for 20 minutes where like I'm you're like fully embodying that of like mm-hmm. I'm listening there's nothing in my head and like yeah it's awesome mm-hmm. I love it um, we've been rocking for like uh, about an hour and 40 minutes damn pretty cool pretty cool is there anything else that you'd like to get off your chest um I don't think so you had a triangle you were gonna ask oh about... shit! Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I actually, it's uh, it looks like um, uh, like a, a nose right here. What I was saying was, you were saying that the the old girl, girlfriend of yours went to yeah. Venezuela, and then um, I think it was Venezuela. It may yeah. have been somewhere else. She went but, somewhere, yes. and then like sort of you left the physics, and you kind of do it improv, and so yeah. it's like, ooh, I know your question. Yeah. Go ahead. So it's, yeah, it's more just like um, so that that's like to some degree kind of like that point where like the paths diverge and I sometimes get caught up in this like thought like as I'm sitting in my house and I need to go to Walgreens I'll think like alright if I go to Walgreens then life goes this way and if I don't go to Walgreens then life goes this way and I know, I know like every single moment is basically the uh, a point of choice or whatever but mm-hmm. sometimes there are some moments for some reason that just like they get like, you like oh and it can my be. life diverges at this yeah and like even like I mean obviously when you look back on it now you can see like with your thing like alright this was a real ass point as opposed to like me not going to Walgreens and fucking doesn't I don't even know what happened the rest of that yeah. day but like sometimes it's uh 
it like it, it i don't know if it, free, it freaks me out sometimes um to think of like just every decision you make like like i keep I, i've done that where i kind of look at like everyone i've met at improv and i go back to like oh and this was this person if i didn't meet this person then, who would i have yeah like any of this and i mean you can keep going back and it's I don't know. That's as you said that. I, yeah. I, I thought of that. Um, so I think what your question is, or the one I want to answer. Okay, is, okay. that's good. Just make up questions. It's probably, it's probably the one you you asked. Uh, I think the. I think if I would have stayed with her, I don't think I would be where I am now. Oh my god! I don't think I would have improvised. I think that was a divergent choice that got me to a point where. So I think that that's a point of divergence. Also, the other one is. How I originally, before I even saw that improv show that got me to do Second City, months before that, Jordan Cantola, who at the time was an acquaintance, posted on Facebook. I happened to be on Facebook at the time of the posting. He posted saying, hey, I'm making a movie. Does anyone want to be in it? Had I ignored that post and said nothing, I would still be in physics, maybe graduated, maybe not. But the fact that I saw that and was like, yeah, I want to do that, and messaged him and said, hey, I want to audition, that choice has brought me to where I am right now. Which is in my kitchen. Yes, doing your podcast. <laughs> the fact that I... Here, we'll, we'll backtrack on that. <laughs> the fact that I decided to break up with my girlfriend got me to be in this place with the time, the depression, the loneliness of, and the despise... the. I don't know. I don't want to say hate, but the heavy despise of physics to the point where <laughs> that Jordan posted that he's making a movie. He needs someone to audition. I was like, "Yep, I want to do that." Got me to do that movie with Jordan. Then go see his improv show. To him, say that oh, this person takes improv classes, saying we could do that. To take Second City, to decide to move to Chicago, move to Chicago. Um, finished college, decided to take classes at I.O. While I'm doing I.O., I find out about the crowd theater doing this co-op thing. I sign up for the co-op, don't get it. I decide it's good enough to apply again. I get it the second time. Who's on my team? Shirag. What, what? I meet Shirag, and we have a great fucking run. Decide to do another one through the crowd, have an even better run. We get we become good friends. He's in the Gentleman's Sandbox meeting through that together. He develops this podcast that is fucking awesome. We've been talking about some deep shit awesome stuff for so long and it feels so good it got me to this second right here all those choices got me to right here in Shirag's podcast bang that was a great summary of your life lessons learned break up with your girlfriend <laughs> no, fuck no, physics no, no. get out of physics meet a man named Jordan do his Michael m- Mike, meet a man named Michael Jordan the basketball player do his movie that was awesome mm. thank you so much Thank you, man. This felt really good. Can you finish it off with a uh, dolphin sound, please? Ah! <laughs>